0: this is not a video it's just an audio podcast so you can you know pick your nose do whatever you want but anyway (laughs) dave leave that in if you want i don't care and here we go hey and welcome back to another episode a very special episode of the who dat jedi podcast um, broadcasting from all points in the new orleans metro area Um, as always i am aaron swoboda and with me is dave blado and fredo narvez hello i got got your last name right fredo
1: yes you did yes you did
0: i haven't said your last name in a long time it's like you know think Swoboda is bad enough. Narvez always stumbles on me. But uh, well, that's but, why I'm uh, always
1: I'm always leery when you go for the full name intro because I'm like, will he get it right? Will he get it right? Almost I
0: I am I am too. You know, there are many I was I was in a band for many years and there is nothing more frightening than and I was the singer. There's nothing more frightening than when you're going along it's like I don't know what the next words are. I don't know what the next words are. I don't know what the next <laughs> verse is. And then it's like just at that very last second, it's like all the words just kind of barf out. So, yeah, but that's the same way I feel when I'm saying your last name, Fredo. I appreciate uh, that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we do have a special guest. You're hearing a different voice in the podcast if you're a normal listener. Uh, But our very special guest tonight on this episode is Brittany N. Williams. And I do have to say you spell it correctly. Uh,
2: Yes, like the province in France. Yes.
0: I made the mistake of misspelling my wife's name once only once the very first time she corrected me so anyway but uh, Brittany and Williams a New Orleans based actor and writer who has performed in a wide range of stage productions in Hong Kong London New York Washington and right here in NOLA Uh, She's a regular contributor to the Black Nerd Problems website, which tackles pop culture from a more diverse group of minds. And most relevant for this podcast, she is a giant Star Wars fan and has a story in the forthcoming Star Wars short story collection, and I am giddy about this, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. Welcome, Brittany, to our podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy, happy to be here.
0: So before uh, Dave reached out to you, did you know that there was a Star Wars podcast in the New Orleans area?
2: I did not. I knew that there had to be, like, a good number of Star Wars people here because, of course, like, the crew of Chewbacca and everything. But I did not know there was a podcast, and as soon as I heard, I was like, oh, well, looks like I know where I'm going to show up.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're the best-kept secret in town. That's right. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're, you know, actually, we're going to be uh, not talking about a whole lot about the uh, the upcoming book. We got other things to talk to you about because you're going to come yes. back later and talk to us about the book, right?
2: Yes. Yes. Um, Everything is super secret still. So can't spill the beans.
0: And, and it, so go, go get some vodka or something and maybe <laughs> we can get it out of you a little later. Uh <laughs>
2: and then they cut my story from the anthology oh <laughs> so,
0: so i think I think i told I told you this uh on Twitter actually because you were geeking out over the fact that you have a Wikipedia entry,
2: yes, so and, it's uh, not like not yet, but it's coming it's gonna oh gosh, I'm
0: so excited. So, so i i worked for uh google for a time and we got to uh work at lucasfilm for a day because they made the switch to google apps and what right. google did was send people to um you know help people figure out gmail and um my boss was like do you want to go i'm like yeah. <laughs> um, so I I went to and actually they asked me do you want to go to the ranch or do you want to go to the one in San Francisco and I chose the one in San Francisco but uh, I but, you know, I I don't really know um I don't know but uh, anyway uh they it was one of those things it was they're right in the production of Rogue One oh, and man. And so this is all of ILM, you know. And first of all, Mm -hmm. we have be escorted to go to the bathroom. And as we're walking through the halls, you know, you're seeing they, you know, they're just everything. Your head's on a swivel. Well, anyway, this guy sat down next to me needed help with Gmail. And we're not supposed to look at their computer unless they offer it to us. Well, this guy offered me his computer, opened it up, and it said Rogue One Production Crew. And I'm just like, I want to ask you what you do, (laughs) but I can't. So... Uh, so i all, know. all the secrecy, yeah, we had to be yeah. silent about it for a while. Yeah. It was yeah. horrible.
2: Yeah, I know some other folks who work um, with Star Wars and, like, the um, signing NDAs and, like, getting, if you do get, like, a preview of stuff, like, it's just a lot. It's a lot. You just, it's, they are serious about their secrets. But it's for the best because then when the stuff actually comes out, it's, like, you don't, you don't have all these spoilers and you can really go at it and see it with fresh eyes, which is... I really appreciate as a fan.
0: So have, did you, have you been out to San Francisco and to anything or?
2: No, I've been to Batu in California, the uh, galaxy's edge.
0: Right on. Um,
2: I actually got to go at the end of February. So right before everything shut down. That's Uh,
3: where I went. I went to Orlando though. Okay.
2: (laughs) It's it's really amazing. And um, I got to ride on uh, the, um the flight the flight of the Falcon and Um Rise of the Resistance, which is honestly the best ride I have ever been on in my life. Like
0: is the dagger is going into my heart because I was supposed to I'm go sorry. in May. <laughs> I was supposed to go in May and I got cancer uh, COVID, but no, it's okay. No,
3: well I didn't get to ride that, that one there. either. So I uh, you know, I'm also right. uh, hurting over here.
2: It's not, like, but they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. It's going to come back. Everything's going to be open again and y'all are going to get to go and it's going to be amazing.
3: That's true. That's right.
0: That's right. And
2: they'll have worked all the bugs out. So it'll be like even more fantastic.
0: Yeah. So we can show up at 5 AM to get in a virtual queue and have the internet <laughs> break. <laughs> so. Well, cool. Well, uh, you know, like so, a so, little chit chat here, but, um, mm-hmm. as you, we, we talked earlier, we, we, we're going to skip news for today because we want to. We got a lot of things to ask Brittany, but we are not going to skip trivia because Dave and Fredo and I have to make up for uh, the debacle from Dave's daughter beating us all. <laughs> and um, it's always fun to have our guests do a little Star Wars trivia as well. All right. Um, so, uh, all right. So we will start with. Uh, I'll start with Fredo. So I'm going to let Brittany get a little nervous here. Oh, right. um, all right, so Fredo, who pilots the stolen Imperial shuttle away from the Rebel fleet?
1: Whoa.
0: I know. I've Got made it. me go, what? Uh, who I've pilots said. the stolen Imperial shuttle away from the Rebel fleet?
1: Uh, yeah, I can hear uh, Olivia in the background telling me the right answer. <laughs> uh, I believe it is Han Solo.
0: It is Han Solo.
1: Now, I have to think about that one for a moment. Like, which movie? What's the context? And then, okay,
0: yeah, it's on a Chewie. So, oh, from okay, from the okay. Now if they're leaving the Rebel fleet. I, I don't know. I was thinking they're in the the Battle of the Death Star. Okay, God, no, Man, I'm see, losing all sorts of cred. Okay,
3: see now Chewie's <laughs> flying it later because he's like fly, fly casual,
1: initial,
0: right? You know, and I love that. You know, it's uh, you know that there was a McClunky that. uh Chewie was swearing at, you know, Han saying, what the F does that mean? You know? <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we'll go to Brittany now. Oof. Um, okay. So who's startled by a pair of large yellow eyes that flash open outside the Falcon's cockpit window? Oh, Leia. That is Princess Leia, yes Yes. Ding, 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 there we (laughs) go. Ding, 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 ding. Woo! Uh, One of the best lines in The Empire Strikes Back is C-3PO, though, saying beastly things, shoo, shoo. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. All right, Dave, um, who expresses either joy or frustration with a saliva-spewing flap of his prodigious cheeks? Man, those are big words. Who expresses either joy or frustration with a saliva spewing flap of his prodigious cheeks?
3: I, you know, I'm thinking Jabba. He seems a little flemmy, but no. Mm-hmm.
0: El, well, uh, Lucy knows the answer. Think, think,
1: think <laughs> the other. Yeah, think the other end of the of the saga. Yeah. Don't think the end. Think oh. The end. Um,
0: I'll give you a hint. Flash uh, no, Gordon. No, no. Gordon. Yeah. Uh, Boss yeah. Nass. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh well.
2: <laughs> that is seared no. into my memory. I can't forget that.
0: <laughs> no. All right. So the one I first looked at on my card was, "What vehicle does Darth Maul pilot over a steep cliff face?" And that's like a it's speeder bike thing, right? So it, yeah. the, it's actually the Sith, the Sith oh. speeder or something. I think. Oh, so I just I just flipped this over and looked at it and I saw Lando Calrissian. What? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that, that okay. Now it is a Sith Speeder. Yes, I am correct. Ding ding ding. Right on. I have that somewhere in my Star Wars room, but yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we all survived trivia. Hey. Intruders are invading Dave's house. I hear Lucy in the background. Well, I think they're your dogs. No,
2: that's actually
1: my that's,
0: that's my, oh, dog. Okay. <laughs> my dog. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, We all have, have dogs three, here. It's right? all good. So what 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 kind of dog do you got, Brittany?
2: Um, I have three. So I have a, a Lab Shepherd mix um, who looks like a black German Shepherd named Jasmine. Uh, I have what we think is a Blue healer Miniature pincher mix um, named Stella. And then what we think might be a Beagle Corgi mix named
0: oh. Luna. So named Luna, really? All right. Well, yeah. so we've got uh, a German shepherd, full, uh, a purebred German shepherd named Ellie. Mm-hmm. We have a shepherd oh. lab mix named Josie. And then we have what we just think is a Muppet. She looks like a miniature <laughs> sheep and her name is Luna as well. So oh. yeah.
2: It's such and a good dog name.
0: It is. And it matches her personality perfectly. <laughs> and Dave, Dave has Lucy, the German shepherd. Um, we, uh, so we know her quite well. She's a sweetheart. Yeah. Oh. So don't a Beagle Corgi, don't so a, a, a Borgie. OK. Right. So anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: No, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, yeah. They're all rescues. So it's like we don't quite know what they are. It's just like kind of gauging it and listening to people. So they're like, that looks like a, maybe Word. that's a, yeah. So.
0: Oh, That's cool. the well, right way again, to do
2: it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> again, thank you for being on the show. We're so very, very excited. And it's, it's so very cool to have somebody in the New Orleans area um, who's, you know, obviously a big Star Wars fan, but going to be working mm-hmm. on a very important, you know, Star Wars project. Um, yeah. So that is, that is very, very cool. Yeah. Um, There's actually a-
2: three Star Wars writers in New Orleans. There's mm. myself, you know? uh, Claudia Gray and daniel jose older
3: she's in new orleans yep we had no idea claudia lived here yep well breaking
0: breaking news on the uh i I think (laughs) i think we might have to we might have to after this book comes out uh because y'all y'all are writing in that book right all three uh
2: no claudia is not
0: okay well we'll still we'll still involve her but uh Because maybe maybe you know restrictions will be lifted a little bit. We can all meet at a bar yeah. and put a microphone in the middle and you know right. uh, yes. and talk about some things. So, mm-hmm. but, well, that's that's awesome. I did not know that Claudia Gray was here. Um, so cool. Um, well, Dave, uh, I'm going to pass it on to you. You want to get us rolling on this uh, conversation
3: right. tonight? Yeah. I do. I, I do want to you later. Uh. <laughs> I, I well, I want like to ask just like the one first of all, congrats on the Thank awesome you. gig. Um, we can't really ask you about the the project um Mm -hmm. yeah and we're gonna um, we're gonna save that for a future episode but i did want to ask you what the process has been like for you and like are you over the moon uh is it been challenging like what what has the process just been like yeah personally
2: well yes to both of those things (laughs) i am extremely excited um and it it's difficult because I love Star Wars and I know there are so many people who love Star Wars just as much and more than I do. So it's a lot of like responsibility to have cause it's <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get the chance to like basically take my action figures and do whatever I want with them. But this is also for all the other fans. So I don't go into it lightly. Um, and so it's just it's really exciting, and it's also a little bit terrifying. Um, the internet is an interesting place to navigate as a Star Wars writer. Um, so that's going to be <laughs>
0: fun. That's, that was very That was a very political way to put it. Good job. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm also like super excited to for the like the book to be out of out there in the world. I'm excited to read it because I have no idea what anybody else is doing. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's all the good things and all of the nerve wracking things at the same time.
0: So what did you, what did you think of the, uh, the first book that came out?
2: Um, I, I like the first book. There's some stories that I like better than others. Um, I, uh, when the book first came out, I was still living in New York. So I got to go to the, the, like one of the launch events they had at new york comic-con so they did like a live reading of the um there is another story
0: oh the with, yoda the Yoda one yeah and yeah, that was my that favorite was cool. um,
2: yeah i've always wanted like leia to have more to do um so that was really fun uh and it's just so interesting to have all these like background characters get get extra or like to see it through their eyes because the star wars world that we see on film is it hints at something that's so much bigger and we never get to know it um so and then just to have like 40 uh technically i think 41 but to have like all these writers come together to write all of these stories and so many different voices everybody just brought their own like flavor to it and i think that's when star wars is at its best when people can bring a bit of themselves to it and like their own um Experience and their fanishness to to the the world and the work, and I've really liked it.
3: And I like that point that you made that it's like it's a little bit like working on one of the movies because everybody has a very specific job, mm-hmm. uh, and you're not going to see what everyone else is doing right. until that finished product rolls out.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, and also so. to another to another point, you know, it is. And I know that's this is not the topic of tonight's podcast, but it's kind of like you know the band I was in. We recorded a CD, and it's like who cares if anybody likes this CD or not? It's just you know we'll sell it at gigs. But when it's the Eagles, you know, and it's like they yeah. have the top Hotel California, it's like ugh, you know. There's a and you have a bazillion fans. That that has right. got to be you know yeah. Um,
2: it's kind of like yeah. being an Eagles cover band it's like you're you're like going into this thing that already exists and that people love, and you're kind of like putting your own twist on it without going too off the rails. But you don't want to show up and just be like, "We're an Eagles cover band and we're gonna play you some Creed." And that's like, that's not. <laughs> 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 that <Right. should> work. <laughs> not be a
1: swerve and a half, right? Right.
2: <laughs> like you're gonna well, have a bad time. <laughs>
3: I I, I, would, I would agree with that. I, I you know, and I don't mean to disparage Creed unnecessarily, but I think <laughs> an Eagles fan would probably have a bad time to-, right. to Creed. Um, so you also contribute to Black Nerd Problems.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: that's in your bio. I went and I checked it out. It seems like a really cool website. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about them and what they're trying to do that- over there?
2: Yeah. So um, Black Nerd Problems. Um, is uh, like a nerd news review um, pop culture website. Uh, And it's uh, geared towards the perspective of um, people of color. Um, It started as only black writers, but we've expanded to other people of color. Um, And it basically started because our two co-founders, a writer named William Evans and another writer named Omar Holman, um, they, head, they were, of course, nerds and like fans of all these video games and comic books and everything. And as they would talk to each other, they'd be like, yeah, well, you know, in how in um like The Walking Dead, all the black people die. And it's <laughs> or like in every horror movie, all the black people die or like you don't really see yourself reflected in these in this media that you love so much. But we weren't seeing um, the big the bigger named pop culture sites kind of handling those topics. So they created Black Nerd Problems and as a space where we could talk about, you know, what we encounter as fans of color, as queer fans who are engaging with the same media that we love that we don't see talked about by other people. So it's really great. We do comic book reviews, movie reviews, video game reviews. Um, Tomorrow I'm actually doing an Instagram Live where I talk about uh, the Disney classic Treasure Planet and why it flopped. Oh. Right? right, right. I love that movie. Yes. <laughs> we love it, but it did not recoup its budget, so. It did not, no,
1: <laughs> no. Uh, I grew up with Treasure Island as a kid, loving mm-hmm. it. I love Treasure Planet as a movie. It's got Robin Williams in it. I think that's what? Robin Williams.
2: No, it has mm-hmm. Martin Short. Martin Mark Short, thank you. Kind thank of you. like, he was so Short Short skirting the line of Robin Williams is.
1: Yeah, 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 but it, it was really, really pretty, really awesome movie, and just nobody went to see it, so.
2: Yep, nope, barely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we cover like, we cover all kinds of things. We do book reviews, everything. It's a really, it's a great site full of some really amazing um, writers and um, people who have fantastic analysis. And yeah, I want everybody to go read all the articles on the site.
3: Have they have been hinting at you doing more star wars content for them since the big announcement
2: um no not really we have to <laughs> i have to do, i can only say like write so much star wars stuff because um i don't want it to be a conflict of interest and right yeah sure. so it's it's like a, a gift and a curse but we all um what was the last star wars thing i did write is uh another writer and i we did a um like a a piece on, um, it was an open letter to the Jedi Council slandering them for doing what they did to Ahsoka Tano because that was ridiculous and they're stupid. So <laughs> that was like, and you know, it was a fun piece to write where we just kind of talk trash about the Jedi Council because they were the worst, they were honestly the worst.
0: You know, the Clone Wars really did, uh, they, I mean, they really did change your perspective on the jedi council and just how yes. inept they were honestly mm-hmm. you know there it's it yeah you're right it's, That was yeah.
2: they deserved it every bit <laughs> every single one <laughs> <time. laughs>
3: so. i mean like that's funny too because the diet that that um the conversation has changed so much over time because I think when the movies first came out, people were just mm-hmm. kind of like, "Well, that's a bummer," but you know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and over time, people have really come to feel like, "Man, the council really screwed things up, didn't they?" Yeah. And um, yeah.
2: <laughs> so much potential ruined so fast.
3: We all love Ahsoka on this on this show, so um, we're big Ahsoka fans.
2: The best. She's so amazing. I actually have two Ahsoka Funko Pops. I have the, like, young Ahsoka with her two green lightsabers, and then adult, like, Rebels Ahsoka with her two white lightsabers because she's also fantastic. And then we're going to get Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. So...
0: You know, they uh they actually really elevated that character um, in this last season of Clone Wars. I mean, yeah. and elevated to, like, the same level of Obi-Wan, Anakin, you know, Mm -hmm. the the big Jedi that we all grew up knowing, you know, because, you know, in the clone wars, the first six seasons, I suppose she was still, yeah, she was main character, but still just a notch below, but then they really elevated her and she's, yeah, a fantastic character.
3: She's so great. Speaking of black nerd problems, um, when we're in addition to being pro ahsoka Tano on this podcast, we're also pro-representation. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the internet doesn't always agree with that position. Uh but some sections. There are a lot of examples when it comes to the fandom of this particular franchise, you know, from the whole mm-hmm. why is there a black stormtrooper thing? to you know um everything else since mm-hmm. um and why and why
0: does he have to be Lando's kid
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know right um but you know within that like just representation mm-hmm. in general why does that topic like obviously matter to you right and so, what does it mean
2: so it's it's very <laughs> It's an interesting feeling to, um, <clears throat> and it, I get this with a lot of media, but to watch something, to watch like something that's had nine movies and like a more than nine, what it, uh, is it, nine, 10, 11 movies? Yep. Yes. Yeah, 11 mm-hmm. movies. Um, and throughout these 11 movies to see n- no one, or barely anyone who looks like you. Um, So it kind of it makes you feel like, oh, well, this world exists and I love it. But can I exist in this world? Like, is there a space for me in this place? Like, I guess it's like um, looking at Star Wars and being like, oh, well, I guess there are no black women in this universe. It's just like the one for a while. It was just Lando. And then it was Lando and Mace. And then um, <laughs> uh, and then it was Lando and Mace and Finn. Um, there was that one random black woman in Rogue One who like she's in the trailer and she's in that like really awesome gold outfit. And it seemed like she was gonna be important to something but then it turns out that like what we saw in the trailer was all the lines she had. Um, and then, you know, finally in Rise of Skywalker, we get Janna and she's, you know, there's potential for this character. She's amazing. She's another stormtrooper who's like deserted. And it's like, oh, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? But then it's like, all right, she might be Lando's daughter, maybe. Who knows? So all the black people in Star Wars know each other. Um, it's it's really. It can be a little painful. It's kind of like how, um, for a while, it didn't seem like girls could be Jedi or could actually like fight in star Wars at all. And then when we got Ray, it was like, Oh, well, you can do this when we got Ray and when we got, um, Jen Erso and Ahsoka, it's like, Oh no, you, you do have a spot. Like you can, like, there are girls, you, a girl can be a Jedi. A girl can be just as strong as a boy. And it's, It's not that you don't know that personally. It just feels like um, you're having to pull something from nothing in a way. Um, And it just gets, I don't know, it just gets exhausting after a while.
0: Yeah, Um, It's almost almost like they were checking a box. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, like, there's a difference between, um, like, uh, like all representation isn't created equal like just putting that one woman in Rogue One and giving her like three lines that doesn't really count as anything like it's it like yes you put a woman a black woman in there but what what does she do nothing she doesn't affect the plot you can cut her whole part out like
3: um if if you get a bunch of kids on a playground playing Star Wars none of them are going to be clamoring to be the random lady from right <laughs> The board meeting. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. The woman who was like, I don't think we should go find the, these Death Star plans. I think we should stay home. Nobody's going to want to be her. Um, and it's, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, though, um, because growing up, uh, I was really into like Disney princess stuff. And I've been like, as a kid, I was nearly every Disney princess for Halloween. I was Snow White. I was Belle. I was Cinderella. I was. Um, and like, I got all these costumes and I never, it never crossed my mind that I couldn't like wear these costumes because these characters didn't look like me until, um, honestly, until high school, I was just getting into like the anime convention scene. Um, and I was talking to one of my friends who's white about what costumes we were gonna wear to our local con. And I was like, oh, I could be like Sailor Moon or I could do this. She was like, well, you can't be any of those characters because they're not black. And I was like, wait, what? That's a, what? And that was honestly the first time that um, that that had ever crossed my mind. That like, just because uh, like I was excluded from a certain area of fandom because there weren't people in there who looked like me. And I didn't go through that until high school, but there are some other fans who from the point that they entered their love for something, that's the kind of thing they had to face. So you, you leave all of those people hanging and like sitting at the margins unnecessarily just because you, you can't um, perceive them being a part of your world.
3: When you talked about the fact that there are 11 movies and it's like, you know a certain segment of the internet is just you know living in their parents basement angry white guy <laughs> um oh every time out uh it has to be you know a white male as the protagonist and mm-hmm. and will push back when it's a female or when it's a person of color and it's just it, it it's a frustrating to hear because it's like have you ever are you even a parent if if you're making a comment like that, because I have, I have two girls. Mm-hmm. And so when they're watching a movie, they gravitate towards the female characters. When they're playing a video game, they gravitate towards the female characters. And it's just, yeah. you know, like I want to,
0: There, there's our there's our Dave picture froze. for the podcast. Yeah. Dave right. froze. <laughs> Man, froze. Do that. Oh, he's back. He's we, we didn't get <gasps> the screenshot. Darn it. Yeah. So you 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 froze, right, when you said, yeah. you know, the girls were wanting to be uh yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean when you talk about they, you know, they want you want a role model. You want somebody yeah. that you can look up to, you want somebody that you can identify with. Right. And um there's an extra barrier to that. If you don't have any kind of um like if you don't have that in common with them, if you don't have the gender, if you don't have um, race or or you know other yeah. characteristics, mm-hmm. there is a barrier. and um, I just i'd love I love the fact that we could have you on and speak to that a little bit because I think hopefully, if there's anybody that would listen, yeah. Um, and maybe change their perspectives a little bit based on hearing the other side of that. Yeah. Um, we I mean, maybe do a little what, good.
2: That's what we always hope. Um, and it's not that like, it's not that I couldn't identify with, um, Luke or Han or Leia. It's just, you know, over and over and over again, not seeing someone you can identify with you start to, or who looks like you or shares your experience in some way it, um, The other aspect of it is it starts to make you feel like you're weird, like, oh, well, if I'm a girl who wants to be a Jedi, or if I'm a girl who wants to be um, X-wing pilot, or if I'm a girl who wants to be like the hero, then does that make me weird or odd, or um, am I not normal because I wanna do these things that like aren't, that I don't see people like me doing? and that's not true anybody can be the hero anybody can do these things and that it and like that is the core of the the rebel um alliance like unlike the empire where everyone is you know specifically humanoid and even with thrawn who looks human but then is blue he's kind of treated weird because it's like you're not one of us but when you look at the rebels it's like there are um members of the rebellion who don't look human at all it's like just it's welcoming to everyone so it that it feels like um, excluding people in the real world from the fandom doesn't follow the rules of the universe that they've set up and given to us.
3: That's a really good way of putting it, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know, did you guys have anything else you wanted to contribute to that? No,
1: (laughs) no. No, I was just simply gonna mention uh, uh, what Brittany was saying regarding Representation just reminded me back to when Rogue One came out and they're interviewing Diego Luna. Mm -hmm. And that Diego made the effort of showing his dad the movie. I believe that was the story. Uh, And uh, because he wanted his dad to hear somebody who sounded like him Mm -hmm. in a Star Wars movie. Because it's one thing to say, okay, you know, you have all the bad guys that will have the British accents. Yeah. (laughs) That's standard operating (laughs) procedure. If you got a bad guy in Star (laughs) Wars, he has to sound British. The British. Anyway, mm-hmm. but but you'd rarely have people who are away from the white norm in mm-hmm. those movies. So the idea of presenting a hero that looked, that sounded like Diego, I think he said, wow, okay. it was the first time he ever heard that and kind of blew his mind a bit. But yeah. It shouldn't be the case, but it tends to be that whenever you're the first one, it surprises people because it's so uncommon.
2: Yeah. And it feels good uh, to like see yourself or hear yourself. You're like, oh, I'm in it. I'm it. It's me. There mm-hmm. I am. It's good. <laughs> yeah, and particularly, you
1: know, particularly when you're talking about a, you know, science fiction fantasy, which allows mm-hmm. you to create a character in any way you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have che- Chewbacca could have looked a thousand different ways. And Je- the only inclination George had is I'm basing him on my puppy.
2: Right. And that's what he did.
1: <laughs> so that's where Chewbacca comes from. But besides that, he can look many thousands of different ways, you know, mm-hmm. within reason, because it's got to be a constant. But when you create a character, there's no inclusion. I mean, George created Mace Windu because uh, Samuel L. Jackson told him, hey, I want you to make it a Star Wars movie. I don't care if you put me in the background or if I'm just walking, you know, as a set guy or I'm a technician, whatever. Just put me in your movie because I want to mm-hmm. be in a Star Wars movie. And he said, okay, I'm going to create a character and created a Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. And he was like, wait you're actually going to make me a Jedi? And even asked. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the fact that he even said, look, can I get a purple lightsaber? And Joe's right. like, we'll see. And sure enough, you got a purple <laughs> lightsaber. But it's that idea of you don't have to be bound by the limits of our society. Right. One of the, not to hype a different uh, nerd franchise or geek franchise in Star Trek, One that was one of the geniuses of Roddenberry was, you're not bound by what mm-hmm. is. You can show what can be. And I think Star yes. Wars... Has that power to say, "Yeah, I mean, you can have black women Jedi masters." There's no Mm -hmm. reason why that should be a uh, that should be a point of contention.
2: Mm -hmm. But it's
1: surprising how often in our world we get too hung up about a galaxy far, far away.
2: Yeah, a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, Yeah, you know, to that point too. I think they sometimes feel like they're bound by what they've shown on screen before. You know, like, well, this wasn't the way we filmed it in 1977 or whatever. So uh, we have to stick with what we saw on, on camera in 1977. Right. And it was a different world, then. It, but, I mean,
2: it, it was. And also, <laughs> they don't even stick to that. Because can you ever, can you find any of the original, um, like, original <laughs> versions of, the original trilogy without all the added extra CGI bits. You can't. Yes. Now we have to put up. No, with- I, I, I,
0: do, I do have it. I do have it on VHS. Yeah. Right over there. Yes. They all can come over. We can come watch it. But anyway, I'm sorry.
3: Uh, <laughs> he, had to, he had to jump through hoops, though, right? right? I mean, like and that's VHS. The point.
2: Like now, you get you have to have a VCR. Like, can you find? I don't know any. I can't. You have a VCR, but if anybody do, yes, to yes. find a VCR, it's like if you didn't already have it, like now you can't even find a DVD player, like
3: right? It's like, Funny. Oh, like right? my my version of Star Wars <laughs> has like those little squiggle lines from when you cut out the commercial breaks. <laughs> you know, yes, <laughs> that's my version of Star Wars, but um. Yeah, no, this is funny. Uh, I like this line of discussion because we were wanting to talk a little bit about generational divide
1: too.
3: Um, one, of the, uh, one of the things Dave Filoni uh, talked about on one of the recent gallery episodes was just that, like how people grow up with a certain version of Star Wars yeah. and that kind of affects how they look at the universe like from that point forward. So I wanted to get your personal Star Wars story. Like what, like, did you grow up on it? And what did you grow up on? And are you devoted to any particular parts of it? Um,
2: So uh, I was born in 1986. So um, at that point, Star Wars was like an absolute phenomenon. So there's no way you could exist in any kind of pop culture and not encounter some kind of Star Wars, anything like I, Feel like my first encounter with Star Wars was the Muppet Babies Star Wars episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like that was my first like unofficial Star Wars thing. Um, it never uh we never watched it in my house. Um, I think I also saw like the Ewok adventure movie with the little girl in like the 80s snowsuit. They used to show it on the Disney channel. Um, but the first Star Wars. Um, Skywalker Saga chronology movie I saw was um, The Phantom Menace. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Um, In the movie theaters. Uh, It was a movie that I saw. (laughs) Uh, And I just um, it kind of it didn't do it for me at that time. Like it just, it didn't, I, I was like, I don't know the, what did do for me were the lightsaber battles. So from then on, I've been absolutely obsessed with the lightsaber fights throughout all of the movies. Um, cause we got that. I think we got that great fight between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Darth Maul and Darth Maul was such a great villain. And, um, just the the tension of that fight until Maul starts doing that weird, like scraping the side of the bottomless pit with his saber thing that was weird. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, um, I've tracked that through all the movies. Uh, later, um, I kind of took the other movies piece by piece. And then before The Force Awakens came out, um, I had a friend who made me sit with him and watch all of the other movies, and like that. Um, oh God! So the internet has some oh, like order machete, you need to watch order. Men- yeah.
0: Yeah, machete order. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So we went through all of those, and um, I do not like the prequels at all. Um, I don't like any of the prequels. Um, I absolutely refuse to watch the Phantom Menace again. Um, I can't, I just can't. I can't put myself through that. Um, but I I think overall I like two-thirds of the sequel trilogy, um, best of all. And um I really like the original trilogy too, but it's I think they I think they kind of knocked it out of the park with um The Force Awakens. Um as like a a comeback and a return to Star Wars after so long. Um, And my favorite part of that is when Finn and Rey escape um, Jakku on the Falcon. Mm -hmm. Um, I will literally just watch that scene on repeat. Like it's just, it's fantastic. I think it's amazing. And, you know, going back to the practical effects and having the creatures and just meeting these interesting new characters. And there was so much potential there. Um, whether that potential was handled well, ultimately I will leave up to each individual person to decide. Um, I have my own opinions about how the Skywalker saga ended. Um, but I also really liked, you know, um, The Last Jedi. It's one of those movies that I can't watch a lot because it's such an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, Cause it's a movie about failure literally everybody's plan in every moment fails over and over again in that movie. Um, in the same way that like everybody's plans keep failing in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, It. I think to my detriment, um, The Phantom Menace being the first Star Wars movie that I officially saw um, almost knocked me away from Star Wars completely because <laughs> it was so, It just was not, yeah, it's, it's, some people love it. I know some people who love it, but I am not those uh, people.
0: You know, that's, that's interesting. You know, I've talked about this before and, you know, I, I was born in 73. So I remember seeing, you know, the original three, you know, growing up. And so when it got to be 1999 and there was a new star Wars movie in the theater Mm -hmm. after, you know, after do the math, Aaron, 16 years, um, it was like, and also knowing what that backstory was going to be, you know mm-hmm. the the people who you know who are my age who are complaining about the the fan, especially the Phantom Menace. I'm I'm not saying this was your argument, but the yeah. people who are complaining where it's all about politics. It's like, did you not read anything that was you know given to us in those in that desert time? You know of yeah. no It's like that was the backstory and you're going to see the backstory. It's going to be a mm-hmm. political entry, but, um, but I've always said that being said, you know, they're all my children. I love them all, but, <laughs> but, but, but episode two needs to go back to school and episode three needs yeah. to get a job. But, um, <laughs> so as a writer, cause this has always been also kind of a, um, a back and forth that we've had with several people because th- th- it's, there's no gray area about how people like how Ryan Johnson handled Luke Skywalker's story. Um, Mm. They either think it was the absolute correct way to go. And there are others who thought, you know, that is not the Luke that I knew and, and both there, it's, it's such a dear character to people. So I'm not saying one is right or wrong. However, the one I agree with, I mean, I think it makes for a more interesting story to take the hero and show them, like you said, as failed. So uh, as a writer, what do you think mm-hmm. about how they took Luke Skywalker's character in The Last Jedi?
2: Um, I, I liked it. It's difficult to watch because it's hard to reconcile the Luke that we know at the end of um, Return of the Jedi with the Luke that we see in uh, The Last Jedi. Um, and I think it should be because he's gone through a lot in that 30 years you know he's he's um for he for all he knew he was the only jedi around so he had to rebuild this thing from nothing um and especially with what we see of um the little bit that yoda and um obi-wan kind of did get to teach him in the original trilogy and then the way we see the jedi in operation in the prequels trying to rebuild that is gonna like that, <laughs> trying to get back to what they were before the Jedi all fell in order 66 is a bad idea. Um, So I can see how somebody who's so full of hope and is so sure of um like following these teachings that he was given is the right thing to do. And then to have all of that fall to pieces because he had a moment where, um the rule or like the rules as he knew them said he should take care of this potential threat in his nephew. And in that moment, he pretty much destroyed everything. I can see how somebody could want to disappear in that moment, the way Luke wanted to disappear. Um, And I think that seeing the journey, he seeing him get back to himself and get back to, the Luke that we all know him to be and the Luke that everyone else knew him to be by the end of the movie, like that, that felt really good. Like that last non-fight between Luke and Kylo is just, like it felt good. It was like, it Mm
1: -hmm.
2: in that moment where he sees Leia again, it's like, we all see him as the Luke we know him to be. So it's like a reunion for all of us. And it sucks that we lose him in that moment, but we didn't really. So that's how, you know, I, that's why I'm like all in on that. It's, it's hard to see the hero have fallen so far from what they, what we know them to be. And, but it does happen when your whole like your faith and your whole worldview is shaken. And it looks like you were the cause of um, the destruction of everything you believed in and that you were trying to build because you made a really horrible mistake.
0: Well, and I really like that like uh, that, that last, like you said, non-fight. And you know, that yeah. was a good way of putting it because it's, it's actually Luke being the most Jedi of any mm-hmm. Jedi because Yoda saying, you know, knowledge and defense never for attack. And that's what he was doing. Right. You know? And that's
2: how, that's how he won against um, Palpatine. That's how he saved Vader too, by not fighting. Like he, in at the end of Return of the Jedi, he doesn't fight. And that's what saves everyone. So it's somehow, like somewhere in that 30 years, he lost his way. Um, and he tried to eliminate his nephew when he didn't, probably didn't need to. And it's, I think that is the, that's the linchpin moment right there. Um, and we see because we see that moment from kylo's perspective and from luke's perspective we get to see um it makes it even more heartbreaking cuz we know that luke regretted it as soon as he drew his lightsaber but we also know the hurt that ben must have felt seeing that someone he loved and trusted and believed in was ready to eliminate him because of some like dark feelings he had been having. So it's just a really, um, it's a really sad moment for for everybody all around. It's just really (laughs) terrible. And then, you know, he becomes Kylo Ren and then slaughters the entire, you know, new Jedi order that Luke was building. So it's like, not only was Luke responsible for the turning of, for the turning and the loss of his nephew, he's responsible for the loss of, all of these young lives that he was responsible for. I,
3: so would you say Force Awakens then is your favorite or do you have a different favorite? Um <laughs>
2: The Last Jedi is my favorite. <laughs>
3: That's all right. Uh
2: yeah, and then I'll say um then I'll say Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, Empire, A New Hope um rogue one uh and then the other ones just kind of fall at the bottom <laughs> with uh <laughs> the phantom menace all the way at the bottom um solo somewhere in the mix of all of those like not very good ones
3: I I f- I figured Return of the Jedi might be high because of your exposure to the Ewoks at an early age.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's not to do it for me. It's like Leia finally gets like stuff to do in Return of the Jedi. Like she really gets to like join in on the fight, and that's what I like about it most. I've been I'd waited so long for her to do something and like to do more than just be like at the comms and be like, I'm giving other people orders. And I'm just like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Like I was waiting for her to do something. And so she uh, she takes she takes some action and we get to see, we get to see her do some stuff. Finally, we get to see a woman do some stuff in Star Wars with, <laughs> with Leia in Return of the Jedi, so. Well,
3: you, you mentioned Leia a couple of times. Is, would she be your favorite character or are there others? Um,
2: Leia is, yeah, Leia is my favorite, um, with Rey as a close second. Um, but Leia is my favorite because she, she, she has my heart cause she's both princess and warrior. And that's like, <laughs> that is what I like. I like somebody like, I like sword fights and I like princess stuff. So I, I appreciate a princess who, who's battle trained and battle tested battle already.
3: Did you like the the reveal in the new movie that she had a lightsaber and that she had drained with Luke and some of that um, stuff?
2: I did and I didn't um i it made me um I was happy that we had some confirmation that she like she got to actually um cultivate and develop her force powers um I hated that it was like, oh, and then she just stopped. Then it's like it's like, oh yeah, this thing that everybody's been waiting for that y'all all wanted to see. Yeah, it happened off-screen. Sorry.
0: Well, and it, it also kind of seemed like, oh, I've got to stop because I'm gonna have a baby.
2: Yeah, yeah. I and mean then, it, and it's yeah. like and it's like okay, she stopped so she could save her son's life, but then because she used her force powers, her son got stabbed before we knew that Ray could heal people. So he almost died because he heard her call his name and it just gets, it got really, it was like, you started great. And then it just got muddy. It just got, it got weird. It's like, is we good start. A for effort um, D for uh, execution. So <laughs> that's how I thought about it. But you know, that's why I love the, there is another story from um, the first, uh, from a certain point of view.
0: So, um, kind of on, on you know, I mean, you can't talk about the project, but, um, you know, you said you have 41 other writers, um, and I'd imagine, and you don't have to answer so I'm just speaking out loud here. I imagine you have to be in some conversation so that you're not stepping on each other's toes or, you know, maybe, you know, contradicting one another or anything like that. And that's kind of one of my, my arguments with the sequel trilogy is I really think That um, that it didn't seem like there was much collaboration on the overall arc of the of Mm -hmm. this this is point A to point B and how you guys want to do it. That they seems like they they wrote themselves into corners. That's my go to line on this podcast. Um, So I'd agree with you. It's like you know George Lucas, you know, in the original six movies, he was the one that was writing the story. You know, it was he was in control of the story, whereas the sequel trilogy, we had, you know, a bunch of different hands in the pot and it just kind of yeah, yeah it, it gets convoluted. You know, collaboration yeah. is wonderful, but it can also, <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: I think it's most jarring between The Last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker. I think you can kind of like follow some threads through from Force Awakens into The Last Jedi and be like, um, I didn't expect that to happen that way, but we'll see how it like shakes out in the end. So it's like you can, it tracks there, but then when you get to the rise of Skywalker, it's like everything falls off the rails.
0: And the, and the doors were wide open at the end of The Last Jedi. It was like, you yes. could have gone literally anywhere. Lorian Johnson left it so it was like, Story can continue however you want to it's not like mm-hmm. at the end of Empire where it's like, okay We got to go find Han, you know, we got to you know figure out this whole loop Vader, you know father-son thing right. So but here they could have gone anywhere and they did it's kind of like they just scribbled on a paper So I mean I like the right. movie yeah. but it was, <laughs> You're making me realize I probably needed a beer when I watched it, so <laughs> <laughs> However, I will say this I will say this. this is kind of a funny story when I saw The Last Jedi it was three days after I had rotator cuff surgery and mm. I literally had pain meds injected into my neck. I had this, like this stuff, like just constantly yeah. being pumped into me. And I remember when watching the last Jedi, I remember having the conscious thought of am I enjoying this because it was the most different star Wars thing I've ever seen in my life. And right. I was like, Am I enjoying this? Okay. Yeah, I think I am. It's, I don't think it's yeah. pain meds, but yeah, it was totally different. So, um, but let's talk about uh, old farts generation X people like me <laughs> uh, I've, I've got this little Android guy the the Gregler who says, "Get off my lawn uh, <laughs> I've we wanted to talk to you a little bit about you know the difference between the generations in Star yeah. Wars and you know I actually experienced this a little bit after the Force awakens because we took our niece um, who uh, Alexis was at that time 20 maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, But it was like right after The Force Awakens, she was mad. She wanted to know more. I want to know more about Kylo Ren. I want to know what happens next. I want to know what happened to Finn. I want to know about all these things. And it's like I'm sitting there going, hey, I had to wait, you know, three years between (laughs) movies. And then I had to wait 16 until there was a new one. I couldn't go and just pull the video off of my, you know, shelf and Mm -hmm. see is Vader Luke's dad, you know. And um, so I guess I'll... Throw that little story out. Just talk about, uh, you know, it, it. You know, and it says in our notes, you're a millennial. I still yes. really don't know what a millennial <laughs> is. But um, <laughs> uh, do you? Uh, uh, what What are your perceptions of how your generation and the old farts like me, how you know we handle Star Wars? We've kind of alluded to some of this, but you know, what have, yeah. what's your experience been with that?
2: Um, it's. So, you know, like I said, the my first encounter with Star Wars proper was um with uh shoot, um the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, and before that it was like, you know, just little bits and pieces here and there. So it's like it um
0: And by the way, don't be away don't be afraid of offending me either. You can't okay. offend me. So you can make <laughs> fun of old people like me that is just fine. No, so no, no,
2: no, no. No, it's just like um So when we came into Star Wars, it was already huge. Like, it wasn't like we got to, you know, ease in and like, oh, let me like just dip my toe into Star Wars and see what it is. So we've had to like kind of, to a certain extent, come in and be ready to like go hard for Star Wars. It's like you're either a Star Wars fan or you just are somebody who happens to like like Star Wars. And if you just like Star Wars, you need to sit over there. You can't sit with the fans. (laughs) Um, So um (laughs) it um it kind of gave it a lot more pressure but i think those of us who were um i think the kids who came into phantom menace so people who were younger than me um like uh i have a brother who's eight years younger than me um so like kid kids who came into the phantom menace were probably like yes star wars give me the toys i want to do pod racing it's the best but then you know i'm just getting into my I'm a third I was 13 when the Phantom Menace came out. So it's like that age when I'm like just starting to feel too cool for stuff. I was getting, getting ready to go to high school. So I was like, oh what is this? I don't think I like Star Wars. So it was Star you Wars know.
0: political science. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> so it it's um we we were coming in on a legacy already instead of being part of the like people at the ground level um and it's uh we still had to wait for stuff we had to wait for stuff to get resolved over time we could pick up the um original trilogy and just watch it straight through but we had to wait for all of the prequel stuff just like everybody else
0: uh but back Um, in my day we didn't have the internet
2: right well we were just (laughs) getting into the internet so then you know well the other thing is we we had um it became easier and easier for us to share fan fiction and like fan theories. And it it's become incredibly easy now to share fan art, um, to there's the Um stuff is literally streaming immediately. So you don't even have to like go to Blockbuster the first week it comes out and hope that like everybody hasn't already taken all the copies. So you can't watch it again. You don't have to like hook up the two VCRs to each other so you can like,
0: duh, copy, yeah,
2: copy one to the other. So when you return it to Blockbuster, you still have your own copy. You don't have to wait for it to come on TV and then have to sit through commercial breaks. Like you can literally stream these things near immediately. Like you can like uh, a kid who only saw the sequel trilogy can just sit down decide tomorrow they wanna to watch every single Star Wars movie that has been made except for the Ewok adventure and the Christmas special and just sit in front of their TV and watch it or start it on the TV and then watch it on their phone and then watch it on their iPad. And like, it's, it's, it just blows my mind how um, like with us, um, like as we each encounter Star Wars in each generation and um, how technology has made it easier to connect in a way um and just to to find your tribe find your people um to talk about it to come up with theories to um argue about what you like and what you don't like like in a in both healthy and unhealthy ways um, and it's um i don't know it it feels like it's become more accessible um
3: mm-hmm. and but like daunting, like to that point,
2: to <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, to that point that you made earlier. I mean, like, Aaron, it's funny, he just wa- watched the MCU, like, beginning to end, he hadn't watched wow. any other movie. And it's like, all right, now I gotta watch like 25 movies, yeah, just to it's, get caught up.
0: Which, funny, funny story about that, Dave. Um. One of them I I can't remember which one was, but one of them was on TV the other day. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna watch this again. I think it was I think it may have been Age of Ultron. Started watching it again. I was like, Did I see this movie?
3: <laughs> I couldn't we'll remember all anything. To so, okay.
0: Anyway, just keep on going. I'm sorry.
3: No, I just I think that's um, you know, to your point, that's where where we're at now with Star Wars in mm-hmm. LA. Um, even for the three of us, we've talked about this, how um the clone wars series mm-hmm. took us a long time to get into
2: Yeah. um
3: we didn't watch it right away and we all came circled back around to it after the fact because it just it's like there's a lot there there's so yeah. many episodes and there's just so much material to go through
1: mm-hmm.
3: um yeah. and i you know, you know i i know that like we all hold the original stuff on like this pedestal right but i wonder like for, for y'all's generation, do you still have that reverence for the original original movies, or is that something that like Gen X keeps pushing on y'all, and you're you're just like, <laughs> okay, come on?
2: Um, I think we do because the um, the prequels were so not good. <laughs> it's not like it like it's not like we came into it and it was like, oh, these new Star Wars movies that came out were like excellent and they were so great. It was like and like even the it's wild how watching the prequels and then watching the original trilogy even the the like effects in the original somehow look more organic and look better than the prequels
0: i think prequels part of a that is video gamey
2: yeah yeah and part of that might be because we were looking at the world you know pre huge intergalactic war so everything is still like shiny it's not as gritty and um dusty and rough as things are in the um in the time period of the original trilogy. But I don't know. I guess I would be if I was starting with um The Force Awakens, I might be less reverent of the original trilogy because The Force Awakens looks great. It's um a really well done movie. Um the characters are great. Uh yeah, I think I might be a little less um, in awe of what George did with the first three movies, but because I'm coming off the Phantom Menace, I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? Those can stay over there. We'll just forget they ever happened. I watch the Clone Wars series <laughs> and well, let that be it. I'll look it up on on the Wookiee and get the plot summary <laughs> or something.
0: You know, what you mentioned, you know, uh, you, you alluded to something earlier that made me think of, um, you know, when I when I grew up, you know, we had the three movies Mm-hmm. And that was it if maybe if you your friend got bantha Trex, you know the mail, you know the mailer on that was typed yeah. up and everything um, you know, but then you know when you get into the 90s and suddenly Star Wars books Explode, you know, we mm-hmm. had a, we had an episode about the EU and the yeah, and so, I was really the old part here was I was really resistant to the EU because it wasn't the star Wars that I recognized. It wasn't, I right. mean, it wasn't within bookends of, you know, four to six. Right. Um, I I didn't have anything against anything they were doing. It just, it was like, I don't know. It seemed like I said, it seemed kind of like fan fiction. So I wonder yeah. if kids, I wonder if kids growing up with, you know, they didn't have the movies, but they had the books that they, you mm-hmm. know, they read and were really into. So then, you know, maybe they're a little bit more accepting to, you know, changes in storyline, changes to, you know, different locales and things like that because they yeah. read about all these. I don't know, is that maybe... Yeah. Well,
2: well, one thing you see with the people who grew up with the books in the EU is that they have a serious love for all of those stories and characters to the point where, um, you know, the the official story going in a completely different way is jarring to them sometimes um and one thing about the eu is that at the time it was kind of like the wild west anybody who wanted to write it almost could write in it so you have all these different like continuity lines so it's like sometimes han and leia have no kids sometimes they have five kids sometimes they have three kids and all these different stories that go in different directions so you could really um find your favorite storyline for your favorite characters and just follow that through um in a way that was um very i'm sure really gratifying um but then sometimes you, with the <laughs> with the new canon books um overruling all of the eu stuff you you see a lot of people who are resistant to that but one thing they are doing is they're trying to bring in more EU characters like Thrawn came out of the EU. Yeah. And they brought him into the the new, they brought him out of Legends territory and put him in the new canon. And people love that character. He has he has a new, there's a new Thrawn book out. I think. If it's not out yet, then it's coming out. Um yeah, and so it's it, I think it's like whatever your entry point to Star Wars. <laughs> You either hold on to that tightly and you love it dearly to the point where you don't want it to change from that, or you just are are a bit more, um, flexible if your entry point is terrible, like mine was.
0: <laughs> so uh, so <laughs> Fredo, Fredo has to bounce help as a uh, brother move. Um, but uh- you have, do you have any, anything you want to ask Fredo before you have to.
2: Before you leave us. So ceremoniously. I know, I know.
1: Needs must. skywood Truck must must be uh, ready and willing to answer the call. You got it. Yeah, y'all have fun. Talk amongst yourselves. I will give you yet another topic. No, <laughs> yeah, just have a good one, y'all, and talk. to see right. you later. All right.
0: So you know, and that's the the other thing that I uh, you know talk about the the generation. You, it's interesting. You said you really dug the Force Awakens because mm-hmm. there were people who were really turned off they uh, the, you know the running line was that it was a you know a rehash of a new hope mm-hmm. and and to me and I was I was a teacher for 19 years so it was you know to me it was like okay star wars hasn't been a thing you know hasn't been on the big screen for a long time mm-hmm. and there was adverse I know Dave you're a big Prequels fan, you know, but there was adverse reactions to the prequels and like I said, it's been a been a while since it's been on the screen And so it's like we got to, if you're going to Reintroduce this or you're going to introduce a new topic to kids You've got to put it into a context that makes sense to them So it made sense to me that JJ put them on a desert planet that you saw you know that there were these things that that looks familiar and things like that so Mm -hmm. Along that those lines, what was your thoughts about the Mandalorian? What do you think about that series?
2: God, I love the Mandalorian. Um, One, because it gave us a um, a look at someone, a look at people outside of the the usual suspects. And I love that throughout the entire series, Um, nobody we encounter really knows what Jedi are. They don't know about the force or Yoda or anything. Um, Like when uh, the child uses the force, they're like, baby, do the magic hand thing. Like, I don't know what that is, but keep doing it. Um, It's really that um, it serves to expand the world and make it feel bigger in a way that um, I think they thought they were doing with the prequels and the sequels, but they didn't actually achieve because they made everyone related to each other. Um and I love that John Vevro let each individual director put their own touch on each episode. So, you know, it's the overarching um feel of a Western, um, with the whole um lone wolf and cub feel from, you know, Japanese manga and stuff and um but then we get these little like glimpses of other people's perspectives and ideas and like the finale with Taika Waititi and the way he like handles um, comedy and tragedy in the same, um, sometimes in like, ex- like consecutive beats with such a deft hand. Like it's, I, I love the Mandalorian. I watched so everything. Did, yeah. It's just great. It's great. <laughs> did,
0: you, did you know there was going to be a baby Yoda when you started watching it?
2: no i didn't so what was your
0: what was your reaction at the end of that first episode then when you saw baby yoda
2: um we flipped out (laughs) (laughs) i was like yo what oh my gosh like it yeah that it i i did not i didn't see it coming at all um
0: and did you see the mardi gras meme of when you said baby do the do the do the hand (laughs) thing And then they show Baby Yoda with all the beads. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I did not.
0: Yeah, oh,
2: man. It's such a good show. I'm very happy that they uh, finished filming season two before everything shut down. So we'll we'll probably get um, the October season two drop that, that they promised us. Um, and then watching, you know, watching the gallery episodes where they had all the behind the scenes stuff, and um, yeah, the uh, the volume.
0: Thing. Yeah,
1: that is it's, so cool.
2: It's the yeah, it's incredible, and yeah, the way they talk about it is great, and all the people they got like all of the smartest people to work on this one thing, and so you came out with something absolutely brilliant um, that looks and feels like Star Wars without feeling like a low-budget copy of what we're used to with the movies. Um, yep. Yeah. So it's it's really... It's hard to do a story outside of the main one and not make it feel like a knockoff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they did it successfully with Rogue One um, where we got a, a bunch of people outside of what we usually see and... We really cared about them and yeah, they made us care about a bunch of people who were gonna die in the end. (laughs) It's like, we knew, we knew they weren't gonna make it. And still.
3: I'd love to get your opinion on this because like right now, like I feel like this is the best acted Star Wars has ever been. Like if you consider like the sequel trilogy, Mm. uh, like you mentioned Rogue One, Mandalorian, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, this is some of the best acting that we've seen. But I, to me, but again, I'm not an actor, so I'd love to get yeah. your take on that as, as an actor.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the original trilogy had some really great um, acting in it. One, they cast really good personalities. Um, Harrison Ford's Han Solo, it's just, like it's so effortless for him in the original trilogy. Um, and the same thing with like Billy D. Williams as Lando. Um, <laughs> Alec Guinness hated his part. So <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, take that as you will. Um, Mark Hamill did really great things as he like grew in the role of Luke. And um, I think Leia did too. But uh, I think acting is, has changed a lot between, um the 70s and early 80s and now um one because like film making has changed um cameras are more high definition so they're less forgiving of stuff Mm. um and like they they did um they really got some amazing they combined really brilliant younger actors with um really well trained, more veteran actors, especially in the, um, the sequel trilogy. And then in bringing back the originals, these are people who knew these characters like intimately. So it's not, you know, you're, you're, when you bring back Harrison Ford to do, um, the force awakens, this is somebody who embodied this character for what, 30 years plus. So it's not, you know, the, the way he handled Han then is going to, inform everything that he's done over the years. And I honestly think Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens was some of the best recent Harrison Ford acting we have gotten. Um, And being a new actor who's going into a new Star Wars thing is very different from being one of the original actors who was in um, A New Hope way back when when everybody thought that movie was going to flop to the point that, um, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg didn't even go to the premiere. Yeah. (laughs) They just went on a trip because they were like, this is just going to be a flop. So it's like you, um, it's not, whereas before it was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be in something. It's called star Wars. Now it's like, yo, I'm going to be in star Wars and they're putting fans (laughs) in star Wars. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think writing has gotten better. Special effects have gotten better. Um, the whole thing with The Mandalorian that they talk about that made it easier for the actors is that they weren't performing on a green screen. They were performing in a space where it looked like they were really in that environment. Yeah. Um. So, you, you know, you, of course, you can use your imagination and be like, oh, well, you know, stuff is over there, stuff is over here. But when you don't, you can... Um, focus more
0: naturally react to it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you can, um, instead of having to have like one part of your brain trying to remember where like all of these imaginary things are located and the other part of your brain being focused on like what you're supposed to be doing in the scene, remembering all of your lines, um, what you, you know, where you place this prop, where you place that prop, what you were doing here, what you were doing there, you can focus your entire brain on your performance and just give like, a really real visceral moving um yeah moving um performance of something it's it's great
0: you, you you brought up something that made me think about again our topic about generations you know now the star wars stuff that's coming out now the sequel trilogy the you know the mandalorian anything that's being made you know rogue one they're being directed and acted by fans Mm-hmm. I mean, the original trilogy; these were people who just who got a gig. You know, it yeah. was they—they they liked their gig. You know, and even the the prequel trilogy. I mean, Hayden and um Natalie were not that old, so they mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't really grow up with Star Wars. Again, it was a, it was right. a gig. But now it's like the all the directors who are like, oh, I get to direct Star Wars, like you said. You know, mm-hmm. the the actors who grew up with it as a kid. Um, do you think that's making a difference? Or am I am I oh, absolutely over-selling it?
2: No, I think it absolutely is. Like, um, for example, like in The Mandalorian, they actually um for the scenes with stormtroopers, they brought in members of the 501st yeah. to be stormtroopers in that. Like you, that's not something you could do back when Star Wars first started. Like you couldn't be like, oh, just call up, you know, a hundred people who've made their own um movie grade stormtrooper costumes and tell them to show up on set so they can just fill out our stormtrooper numbers like that's not something you could do then. Um, And like all of these actors, as they get like when they um, when they find out they're going to be in a Star Wars movie, they're just as excited as any like the three of us would be if somebody was like, hey, you're going to be cast in a Star Wars thing like we would be thrilled. And so, you know, you it's a. It also, um, Star Wars has uh, a look, a feel. um, Like we all come in with an understanding of the world already. So we don't have to buy in on the same level that people with the original trilogy had to. Like we don't have to imagine like what what Luke and Leia had to go through. We don't have to imagine like what this intergalactic war looks like. We don't have to imagine like just completely imagine what um, space battles would look like, what it would look like to like fight with a a lightsaber in this world, because we can literally just pick up the movies and watch it. We know we already have all that context in our heads. So, you know, that's something you bring with you on set or when you write or <clears throat> when you do anything for Star Wars, like it's it's already there. So nobody has to teach you about Star Wars. We already know. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah we just we already know
3: so i i did want to ask you one question about your resume which was posted mm-hmm. on your website and it yeah. mentioned that you're rapier trained
2: yes <laughs> <I'm- And laughs>
3: i know that you love lightsaber battles due to this conversation so mm-hmm. Are those tied in together? Are we going to see a future lightsaber battle? Oh, I
2: love to. I had this idea to do like, oh God, this is going to make me sound like a huge nerd. Um, I had this idea a couple years ago to do something called lightsaber Shakespeare, where you would take the um, some of the like famous fights from Shakespeare's plays and put them up, except the characters had lightsabers. Oh, sorry awesome. um, <laughs> And, you know, if you look at the the way people, the way different characters fight with their lightsabers, each one is based on an act, is usually based on an actual like sword fighting style. Like, um, Dooku is very rapier-like. Right. Um, most people just swing them like sabers. Um, Rey swings her lightsaber like she's swinging a baseball bat because she's used to using a bow or a staff to fight. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I I would love to be. Look, I. <laughs> if have somehow, you seen Have
0: you seen the the saber fighting clubs?
2: Yes, yes. I had. There's um one that does a lot of events. Um, I was at a convention in Seattle a couple years ago, and I got to do a workshop with them, where, where they taught us how mm-hmm. to make up our own lightsaber fights. <sighs> it's the best day of my life. Best day, <laughs> best day, <laughs> and it's you know I dream of the day where I can get like a a combat grade lightsaber because they sell them they're not cheap but you know so me and somebody else can like bang our lightsabers together and film it and it'll be awesome or maybe one day I'll actually get to you know play a Jedi in something and
0: there you go
2: really get to <laughs> really get to swing a lightsaber. Um, also looking forward to going to uh Galaxy's Edge again and making a lightsaber.
3: Um, because oh, you have oh, to do it, that you process have,
2: it looks incredible.
3: Yeah, no, I did it with my son. You have to do it, it's like spiritual nice. and just amazing.
0: I was supposed to do that in May. <laughs>
2: well, look, I haven't done it either. I haven't done it either, so I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. It's
3: I, it's, yeah, I mean, like it's expensive, right? And like, yeah. So you know, it's like, oh, the mouse is always going to get his money, but um, it's it's so much fun. It's so cool, and yeah. I don't have any regrets at all.
0: So uh, another thing we wanted to ask you about, because um, we talk a lot about on the show the relationship of the fans and the people who create, you know, the content. Um, uh, how do you describe your relationship? That or that relationship within your own work. I mean, uh, do you? Bounce ideas off other people um, Do you take critiques and after the fact use them to adjust going forward? How's how's that interaction work for you?
2: Um so I The main fan I listen to is me <laughs> uh, And um because you know you can you can get stuck bouncing ideas off of people for eternity and never actually end up with anything um i uh my husband is also a huge um star wars person so we actually bounce ideas off of each other and often have uh in-depth uh high level star wars um storyline character development conversations and like argue things down and talk things out. Um, and, uh, you know, when you, as always, when you're writing, you can bounce stuff off of your editor. Um, your editor is there to make the story better. Um, and to like, they're there to help you make sure that you write the, the best, most, um, true thing you can. And you know, whenever you work within an already existing universe, there's always gonna be somebody over you who has like final say. Um, so it's, I listen to, when I go into this, I think about the conversations I've had with friends um, and um, things that I wish I could have done um and i try to as with all of my writing i think about what i would what 13 year old me or like 10 year old me would like to see so i, I try to write for for that little girl that i was and that usually leads me very on a straight on a clear straight and narrow path it's,
0: well it's nice to hear that you have the same sexy conversations with your husband right? that- Dave Dave and I have with our spouses, you know.
2: How can um, you not? Like how can you not? It's so it's great and it's it's good to like be able to have somebody to to bounce this stuff off of so it's uh, not just
0: rattling around in your brain. I'll never forget, you know, Dave and Kate and Brittany and I at uh, Port Orleans talking about Star Wars Rebels, you know, <laughs> just uh, like adults do, you know. So Right.
2: I mean <laughs> I think that's the best part of being an adult. You can have these like high level conversations. And you know, I'm I'm friends with the other writers at Black Nerd Problems. Um, we have a Slack channel and all we do is have high level nerd conversations about everything. <laughs> so it's it's just I think that's the that's the best part of, you know, having a partner who is also a nerd and in your same fandom. You can you can pull apart all your favorite stuff together and put it back together Love it's it. A thing.
0: <laughs> so besides uh, besides uh, Star Wars uh, and well, you know, we won't keep you too much longer But besides Star Wars, what other kind of things do you nerd out over?
2: Um, of course all things Disney um, Because I grew up during the you know Disney animation Renaissance and the early days of the Disney Channel
0: so, uh, by the way, what do you what do you all think about uh, retheming of Splash Mountain to Princess and the Frog? We're going to get fantastic. Little... Yeah,
2: it's the best because that that movie and that ride are extremely racist. Yeah, um, I, I have seen parts of the movie. Um, it's so much worse than you could imagine.
0: Oh, um, I I grew I grew up. Oh, I, yeah. We 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 had the book, and I watched the movie too. And yeah. it wasn't until I was like. Um, Gosh, I think I was probably in middle school or high school when I was like, "That's not a very good thing to that." That's no. not really cool. It was like it started dawning on me. I was like,
1: "Right, Girl. it's like, yeah."
0: You know, so hats off to Disney though, with you know, Splash Mountain. It's like yeah. they took they took out all of the overt stuff. But yeah, it's just yeah. I, I think making it uh, make it a a Princess and the Frog thing. That'll be uh, Cool new orleans thing
2: brilliant i literally like before they announced it i literally just said to my husband if disney knew what they were doing they would re-theme splash mountain as the princess and the frog and have you right there
0: and have you seen the uh the the picture that they gave to uh, D- uh leah chase to dookie chase because yeah. she was she, yeah, she was, was the, the inspiration tiana but mm-hmm. you, go in the, you go in the front door, you know, into the dining room, and they have a thing there. Um, it's a cell, I believe, from the movie. And, you know, signed and everything. And, yeah. you know, a nice note to Leah Chase. So that's really cool. That's so beautiful. So, I'm sorry. Disney, yeah. you're all things uh, yes. Disney. What else do you geek out over?
2: Um, anime. Um, I've been getting back into, like, my old, um, the anime that I used to watch in, like, middle school and high school. So, like, Sailor Moon, Cardcaptor Sakura, a lot of, like, cute magical girl stuff. Um I am a huge uh fantasy reader. Um <laughs> I just nerd out over all of the things. Um electronics, engineering, robots.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: I'm a Shakespeare nerd too. Um completely and utterly um love Shakespeare uh have since I was a kid. Um yeah, I'm trying to th- it's I guess it would be a shorter list to be like what don't I nerd out over. <laughs> I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan, um, but
0: yeah. Yeah, there are some, uh, there are some Shake, there are some Star, it's the Star original Star Wars trilogy written in the Shakespearean oh, yeah. style. Yeah, yep. I've got those. We uh, had those too. Fun.
2: They had, they've done all of them. I think they've done the prequels. Definitely. They've done, I think if the Rise of Skywalker one isn't out yet, I think it's coming out soon. So, Yeah. So yep, that's the the meeting of my my two fan two of my fandoms. So but yeah, I um I can I can talk people's ear off about a, a whole bunch of stuff, which is um comes in handy sometimes, but not I mean awesome.
3: I think your win- your idea of Shakespeare with lightsabers is a winner.
2: Right, right. I, I just agree. think the well, it's as nice soon as people happen. can get close to each other again. Um, (laughs) I'll start trying to make it happen. Um, yeah, but, uh, I'm trying to think, is there any like huge fandom that I have missed? No, I was excited when Disney bought star Wars because then I only had to go to one park.
0: There you go. There you go. Well, cool. Uh, so you want to tell people how they can, uh, find you on social media and your webpage and stuff like that. and
2: Yes. So, um, if you would like to find me on Instagram or Twitter, uh, my handle is Brittany X, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-A-C-T-S, like the actor. Um, I'm that on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you want to go to my website, it's my name, Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-N as in Nicole, because I was born in the eighties. Williams.com. <laughs> um, so that's Brittanyn That's my website. Um, as always, you can find me um writing at black nerd problems. Um, that's blacknerdproblems.com. Um and yeah, that's it. Don't come visit my house, that's fine. Um, just see you online.
3: <laughs> and uh, from a certain point of view, the empire strikes back. Yes.
2: Uh- from a certain right. point of view, The Empire Strikes Back drops on November 10th. Um, it's the, it's a bunch of really fantastic writers who love Star Wars. Um, yeah, that is all I am allowed to say at the moment. But
0: <laughs> more news to come. The, the, re, the restraint that we have shown, I have to say, we've respected that because I wanna ask so much about that process. Um, and uh, sometime we'll have to have a an off the record conversation. Um right. <laughs> yeah. So uh but uh but no yeah. we want to thank you so very much for being on here and it's so awesome to I man, you know I knew that you and uh Daniel Jose Older were in the New Orleans area. I didn't know Claudia Gray. It, this is a now becoming like Star Wars Vienna. You right? know,
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> Lucasfilm South.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. There you go. So well, cool. Well, uh, Dave, anything else for the good of the order?
3: Um, I'm all good on this. And I just, I, again, I wanted to say congrats to you, Brittany. Uh, thank awesome, you. awesome gig. Uh, can't wait to read it.
2: Thank you. And thank you yeah, for having me. You. It was great talking to y'all.
0: Can you, I I'm gonna ask, can you, can you say how excited you were when you found out who you were going to be writing about?
2: Um, like, well, I can say we got to pick. So <laughs> oh, okay,
0: cool. All right. Ah That's so nice. I got to
2: tell them who I wanted to write and it was great. Did,
0: um, you, have to, did yeah. you have to fight anybody over it?
2: Um, no, I didn't. Oh. But um, yeah, I the only rule was somebody in empire. That's it.
0: Sweet. So yeah. Awesome. Well, all <laughs> right, folks. Well, uh, Thank you again for this awesome conversation and we can't wait for the next one. Yes, And maybe maybe a few in between. Um, but uh, for those of you listening, you can find us, remember, at, uh, on Twitter at, and on Podbean and on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts and on Facebook. Just, I mean, if you, if you Google Who dat Jedi Podcast, you're probably not going to find too many things in your search results. So, um, but with that, um, we will say Who Dat and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. everybody, have a great week. My